hey y'all, did you know that the types of businesses that African Americans own vary, but most offer some type of service? Almost one-fourth of black-owned businesses are in healthcare, repair and maintenance, social assistance, personal and laundry services, auto dealerships, consulting services, beauty care and restaurants. I want to highlight and honor these black-owned businesses and their owners. So welcome to the Entrepreneurial Circle Talk, where we will get to know black owned men and women businesses making moves in their industries. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Gotta have respect and transparency. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Go find your truth and prosperity. So let's talk. Hey y'all, it's Vicki J. Thanks for tuning back in. Today for our Entrepreneurial Circle Talks, we have joining us Dr. Esther Amago, who is a physical therapist who specializes in women's health, being the owner of the Pelvic Place PT in Houston, Texas. And I actually met Esther on the campus of the Real HU almost 10 years ago. Say hey to the people, Esther. Hey people, hey. Girl, can you believe it's been like 10 years? That's so crazy. I know. I know. Time is just flying by. Sure. I still can't believe it. Oh, my goodness. 10 years ago. Oh, my goodness. Girl, you know, I'm so grateful for you because you remember how we actually started hanging out? Do you remember that? How? We were in so class together. We were in class we were together. Look, we, we had a we had a paper that was due and mm-hmm. I hadn't did my paper yet. Remember that was around the time that my ex-fiance had dumped me and I was just all down in the dumps. And he was like, Hey, why don't you come over my house and we'll do the paper together because I haven't done mine either. And you know, just spend a night, we'll make it like a girl's night. And then we were like inseparable from that point on. Yeah. That is so me. I haven't changed since. You're right. That is so me. That is so me. I still do that to today. I literally still do that. I, I still love hosting. I still love cooking. I still love having girls' nights. Um, I still love being pampered and everything along that line. So I guess it makes sense that I'm, I'm specializing in women's health. <laughs> I am literally a girly girl. Remember yeah. we had that favorite song, Pretty Girls Rock? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> that, that whole summer. You better not have told us you were not cute. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, man, we had so much good times. We did, we did, we did. I thank you so much for inviting me over your house that day. Cause I'm just like, I don't even know if I would have finished that paper had it not been for you. Really just kind of encouraging me and like, yeah, let's do this together. So I appreciate you. I don't know if I ever told you thank you for that. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I appreciate you too, Missy. We needed each other. We did. We, we needed did. each other. We had some good times. All right. So you are a woman's health specialist. I want you to tell the people exactly what that is. What do you do? So I specialize in women's health and pelvic floor rehab. So I pretty much treat pelvic floor dysfunctions pertaining to women's reproductive areas. So I treat pregnancy and postpartum pain, 
which means low back pain, sciatica, round ligament pain, pubic symphysis pain, vaginal pain, pain with sex, um, um, bladder issues like urinary incontinence after giving birth or urinary incontinence just from, from aging. Um, I treat vaginal prolapse. I treat pretty much any and everything dealing with your reproductive area. And I actually branched out and I started seeing men also. So I pretty much treat everything in the male's pelvis as well. So um, urinary incontinence after a prostate, um, after prostatectomy, prostate cancer, mm-hmm. or erectile dysfunction or sexual dysfunction. So literally I tell people if it has to do with your pelvis, if it's in your underwear, I pretty much can fix it. <laughs> oh <my> yep. <laughs> And it's such a it's such a big it's such a big deal because if something's hurting in your underwear region, you can, you cannot really function as well. You know, I mean, imagine if every time you talk, laugh, cough, sneeze, run after your little toddlers, you're leaking. Or imagine if you and your if you have so much vaginal pain or vaginal dryness that you can't enjoy intimacy with your husband, you're not going to want to do it. And it's going to cause relationship issues, which leads you to look, looking for relationship counseling when in actuality you have pain with sex or you can't really play with your kids and they're thinking like, what's wrong with mommy? But in actuality, you fear leaking in your clothes. Wow. Or, or if you have vaginal pain where people are like, let's go to a concert and you know you can't sit down for that long because your vagina hurts or it burns or it stings or you just have like some kind of issue down there. And this is so many people's issues, but society doesn't make it a normal conversation to have. Like mm-hmm. I can sit at a tea party with you and tell you I sprained my ankle. I can't necessarily tell you at a tea party that my little bundle of joy ripped me from my vagina to my rectum and I poop every time I laugh, cough, or sneeze, or I can't hold urine, or that I haven't had sex with my husband in six months because my vagina hurts. Those are not conversations that people have. And that's where I come in. I talk about the vulnerable things. I'm a girly girl. I I think it's easy to talk to me. and, and I have the background. I'm, I'm, I'm trained for this. I have my doctorate in physical therapy. I have taken, a, I've taken extra classes to be able to be um, certified in the things that I treat, which are truly the things that I'm passionate about, which is increasing your quality of life in areas that most people don't talk, talk about. Right. And I would even say it's probably more common than people realize that it is. Cause like you said, they're not talking about it. So they don't know, but would you agree? It's, probably rather common oh absolutely one out of four one out of five females have pain with intercourse um i did a i did a random toll on on social media saying how many how many of you are sexually satisfied with your partner or sexually satisfied with the way you perform and it was 50 50 it was totally anonymous it was 50 50 like Half the half the population said yes, I'm totally satisfied. Another half of the population said no, I'm actually not satisfied. Mm, And these are people that walk around smiling and happy and taking pictures with their husbands, wives, and their dogs, you know, or with their toddler in the in a stroller. People have real issues, and they just don't know that there are resources for it. You can't ask for something that you don't know exists, and that's my that's my philosophy, and that's what pushes me daily to go around and tell people hey this is what I do there is no shame in it we're constantly having we're having sex I mean mm-hmm. we are of childbearing age people are having sex right. so if you have pain in this area don't don't um suffer in silence 
Right. You know, I've had friends that reached out to me and said, you know, I've always wanted to tell you this, but I have pain when I have sex. And I talked to my doctor about it and they say, we'll just don't have sex. And we just, we, we truly just don't do it. We do other things, um, but we don't have penetrative intercourse. And I was just like, wow, okay, well, let's fix that. And within a few weeks, they were back to having pain-free, enjoyable sex. And, and it, it's such a big deal. I mean, it messes with your self-esteem. It messes with your, with your, um, your day. It messes with the relationship you have with your partner, the relationship you have with your children, the relationship with, you have with your, with your colleagues. Um, it plays a role in so many parts of our lives. And I'm willing to say that if you're not having like good quality, intimate relationships, it decreases the dopamine receptors in your brain. It de- decreases the amount of dopamine you have in your brain, which is your happy hormone. Because right. um, obviously you can't be happy. There hasn't been any research um, linking poor sexual experiences to, to Parkinson's, but I'm really sure those people have poor sex lives. Uh, but um, uh, <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> no, I say jokingly, but there is um, there is link that obviously if you're not happy and if you live in a deprived state, whether it's your mind or your relationship or whatever the case may be, um, your your quality decreases, your quality of life decreases, your quality of self decreases, the relationship quality decreases, your your health quality decreases, you in in the sense decrease. And I'm here to uplift and that's what I do. Yeah, that's so I do women's health because I want to empower women and give them their health back, their life back in a nutshell. Yeah. And, and men too. And men too now. And men, and, and men too. Yeah. Thank you. Thank about you, the thank men. You. you need to have the men there too to have the help. Okay. But anywho, how yeah. long mm-hmm. have you been in practice? So I've been practicing for almost 10 years now. We graduated almost 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I've been, in, I've been practicing since we graduated. I've actually, this is a fun fact. I've actually never treated a knee or ankle or elbow or anything since we graduated from PT school. Oh. After graduating, I did a residency in women's health. Mm-hmm. After my residency, I started a hospital-based practice in Richmond, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, and even with that, I was still taking advanced levels, women's health and men's pelvic health courses. Did that for a few years. Was recruited by the Women's Hospital of Texas about four years ago, where I trained a lot of the therapists that came in after me. Um, I managed one of their satellite locations. It was actually one of their larger satellite locations simply because I had experience managing an office before because I did it in Richmond, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And just last year, I thought, you know, I, let's, let's branch out and see how many more people we can reach. Let's advocate a little bit more. Um, let's do more outreach. So I, I branched out and started the pelvic place physical therapy. So although I've been in practice for almost 10 years, I have been in private practice for one full year. Okay. And so is that what made you decide to open up your own practice or was it, is it more to that story why you wanted to open up your own practice? Well, I I really wanted to open up my own practice because you have more autonomy if you, if it's yours. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I was raised with an entrepreneurial mindset. Uh, You could attest to this from grad school. I'm kind of a type A personality. I'm friendly, but I know what I want and I know what I like. And I kind of want it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like we, we were doing great in terms of reaching people, but I feel like it was so many more things we could do. 
And if I was, um, if I was working for a corporation, I kind of had to do it the way the corporation wanted to do it. Um, or in terms of like scheduling patients, we worked from nine to four. Well, most people are working within those hours. I don't want someone to have to pick between um, getting their pelvic pain addressed versus making the hours that they need to be able to pay for their light bill and childcare and things along those lines. Mm -hmm. And physically, I'm not doing anything after 4 p.m. So I thought, well, what if I could open up, what if I could stay later? Well, if you work in the hospital, you don't kind of come up, you can't come up with your own hospital hours, you know, right. mm -hmm. um, or, or if my, if my schedule, um, if my schedule is really full, I would want to see some, I would say, you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing the patient a little earlier or during my lunch break, or I, I wouldn't mind staying a little bit later because I know this person really needs help. And again, that's red tape there. You can't really do that. Um, and another thing I noticed that after giving birth, some of my patients would want to come back for a pelvic floor assessment as they should, but then my schedule would be so full that they would say, well, can you come to me? Like, I wouldn't mind if you came over and just did a home health visit. It. Mm -hmm. but working for a hospital you can't do that either so it was so many so many red tape that I just felt like you know I can do so much um, I could provide so much more of a service if I was able to do this on my own um, and reach more people that otherwise wouldn't be able to be seen so in my private practice I kind of filled in the gaps that weren't already filled um, no one stays open past four I'm open from 8 a.m to 8 p.m Mm -hmm. No one does home health visits. I do home health visits from Thursdays to Sundays. So essentially, I'm open seven days a week, but I see patients three days a week. I see patients in my office three days a week, Monday to Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And Thursday to Sunday, I do home health visits or, or um, marketing and advertising, just more outreach to let people know that, hey, there are resources for you. Um, and yes, that you, you don't necessarily have to come between nine and four. And if you can't find childcare, we can come to you or you can bring your child to us or whatever the case may be, just meeting women and men halfway. Yeah. Which you, you really can't do that if you work for a large corporation, but don't get me wrong. The women's hospital was amazing. It, it, it was amazing. We did the best. We did what we could and the patients were, were happy. We helped them and we helped them reach their goals. Everything was great. Um, but I wanted to branch out and just see how much more I can serve women and men. Yeah, I think that's amazing what you're doing because you're meeting the needs of your your clientele because everybody knows, like you said, if you're working a quote unquote nine to five, you know, you don't want to have to, you know, come during your lunch break and feel rushed or take PTO to make an appointment for something that is really going to, you know, like you said, increase your quality of life. So thank right. you for doing that and thinking about those who you serve. So, yeah. Yeah. So Esther, what was your number one challenge opening up your own business? Oh, business in itself. If I can be totally honest, okay. business in itself. I mean, we went to school for physical therapy. Um, I took what I would say at least two years to, and I'm still learning pelvic floor. I mean, you don't learn everything when you're done. Like right. even parents are still learning how to parent and they're probably grandparents. So I won't be naive enough to say I know everything about public floor, but I mean, I took intense learning courses for at least two years mm -hmm. and in business, there's no intense learning courses I'm thrown in. So I'm pretty much learning on the job. Um, I know how to treat the patients. I know how to get them the, the desired goals. Um, 
in terms of billing and, and scheduling and things along those lines. It, it's just a, an insurance. Oh my goodness. Insurance. Um, <laughs> th- those things, um, working in the hospital, you had the, you had the luxury of having a biller. You had the luxury of having a receptionist. They did all the administrative things and working in private practice. You pretty much have to learn it and you have to do it, you know? So I would say that was the biggest thing that was different that I had to learn. That was um, an obstacle. I wouldn't even say it's an obstacle. I'm managing it and I'm managing it well, but it was different. Did you reach out to other entrepreneurs or maybe obtain a mentor to, you know, to assist you along the way? No, not really. Um, I don't really know a lot of people that are doing pelvic floor, you know? And what do you mean just from the business aspect of it, even if it wasn't in pelvic floor, but just learning the business aspect of it and billing administrative work? Are you just no. doing it on your own? I kind of learned on my own. I kind of learned on my own. Um, in terms of, no, I learned, I literally learned on my own. I, I know I needed to get verified credentials with these insurance companies. I called the insurance companies and did it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of documentation and things along those lines, my practice is different from other physical therapy practices. Um, a lot of people are able to to build things that I can't necessarily build. And I'm able to build things that they can't necessarily build. Um, Times the, the, the um, ratio of how much time we spend with the patients are a little bit different. My practice, I can't really have a lot of um, texts or PTAs and things along those lines because one person has to be with the patient for the entire full hour. I can't come in and out. Um, I can't, I, I, I mean, it's pelvic floor, right? Mm-hmm. It, there has to be a level of discreetness to it and a level of, of care that goes into each patient's um, visit. So it's a little different than being able to document while your patient that, um, do their ankle exercises. So I can really get feedback in terms of that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and because <clears throat> I think a lot of patients, a lot of providers, not to get too technical now, but in terms of physical therapy, in terms of billing and things, which was my, which was my biggest thing, billing and insurance, um, because you have to be able to pay the overhead and keep your lights on, but, um, they're able to see multiple patients. I mean, most physical therapy practices see multiple patients, um, mm-hmm. or, or their visits are not an hour long, you know, mm-hmm. um, my, my practice runs a lot differently, a lot differently. So my, on my average day, I see 10 people and that's it. Um, whether it's an eval or re-eval, whatever the case may be, they each get an hour and it's one-on-one with one person. So right now I'm the only physical therapist there. So it's one-on-one with me for that entire hour. I do the consult. I do their exercises. We do their intravaginal exercise. We do their intravaginal treatment, interrectal treatment. We talk about their pregnancy, their postpartum, literally everything that they need in that one hour session. And when they leave, I get the next patient in. Um, no other, I don't know any other practices that run like that. Have you been to any other practices that kind of run like that? Mm, now that I can think of mm-mm. yeah so our our um policy not necessarily policy I think the way the general setup of our practice is different so they can really give me feedback on how to run my type practice because we don't have the same type practices right. and that that's actually the the hang-up that I found out like okay I could call different people I actually reached out to one of my mentors from PT school and you actually know him, Dr. Go- um I want to say Gorin. 
No, but that's your last name. Gordon. 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 Dr. Gordon. Remember Dr. Gordon? Do you remember Dr. Gordon? The female Dr. Gordon? No, it's a guy. Um, we did a clinical rotation with the Mr. Court. Oh, Gordon Court. Yes. Mr. Court. Gordon yes. Court. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I reached out to him. But again, and he owns his own business and he's doing really, really, really well. He was actually a really good mentor. But um, but our our practices are so different, you right. know? Our practices are so different. So I really couldn't follow the footsteps or the mode left by the entrepreneur PTs that I do know of because we just run totally differently. That's totally true. different. And even with his practice, it's very intimate setting, but he does see multiple patients. Yeah. At, you have at least two. Right. Right. Yeah. And then and then you're able to have your patient kind of doing their own exercises. You can guide them and do right. something else while you're doing that. My patient population, we're not doing that. I'm giving hugs in my sessions. Um um wiping tear teardrops in my sessions. Um, there's no room for any of that other stuff. So, so yeah, my practice is definitely, definitely different. And I haven't really met anyone that has the same format, even with my student, I've had a, I had a clinical rotation. So I had a student that came in and she was like, yeah, this is definitely different from all of my rotations. And in talking to my other um, student friends or classmates, she said my, my rotate, her rotation with me was the far most interesting and and she learned the most in it and um and she just said it was it was different her classmates envied her experience was was what i got out of it wow that says a lot about you you doing it dr amago you better go girl (laughs) well i mean i think it's just passion i think that's really what it is when you're passionate about what you do then you tend to do really well yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Now, did you experience um, any increased adversity uh, being a minority female entrepreneur? No, not really. Increased adversity. No, no, not at all. Okay. Not at all. My that's- patient population is primarily, um, my patient population is primarily Caucasians and and. Hispanics based on where I live. I live in Houston, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have, I do have African-American patients. Um, I think it's really based on who, who seeks the services. I need to do more outreach and just, um, I just need to do more outreach to different communities just to let people know what resources we have and, and along those lines, because I do believe that, I mean, with my practice, you need a referral, right? Mm-hmm. Um, People can come and call and make appointments on their own, but most of the patients that see me are coming from a referral. And this may go back to health disparities again um, because they're finding me through their providers, right? So it's hard to believe that um, I'm getting into muddy water, but um, I just need to do more outreach. Well, what but no, I haven't. Access? Do you guys have direct access in Texas? We do have direct access. Um, but still, even with that, a lot of insurances still want a referral. Mm, okay. Yeah. Usually what they would approve is one visit. Um, so you're able to get your initial eval. And after that, you would, you would need a referral if you plan on getting reimbursed. Okay. Let me tell the people what that is. So direct access for those of you who are not like in the medical field means that 
you could go to Esther without a referral and get your evaluation. Um, but she's saying that once you get your evaluation, if you want your insurance to cover it, they still would have to approve the follow-up visits. Right. Did I explain that well? Because you know I work in a hospital, girl, so we can work on that. <laughs> yeah, we, we did a good job. You explained that well. But we do try to advocate for our patients. So if you're able to come in with direct access and you're not able to get a referral, we'll contact your physicians for you. We'll get the referral for you. So we, try, we literally try to make it as easy as can be um, so that we know patient feels like they can't come in. Because a lot of people, they don't believe it or not, a lot of people don't have an OBGYN or they don't have a urologist. And if that's the way to get in and you don't already have that to begin with, you're already two steps behind. You get it? Right. So yeah. there, there's a lot of... Um, there are a lot of ways that we can reach out as healthcare providers, me and you and everyone else, you know? Right, right. So what has been the most rewarding part about having your own business? Being able to accommodate to patients um, and meet them halfway. Literally, that's, that was what triggered the pelvic police physical therapy. I was getting calls and emails from patients that are like, hey, I want to come in and your office is closed in my, at the time that I'm able to come in. Or, hey, can you come to my home instead? Or, hey, I have, now I have a newborn, so my schedule isn't my schedule anymore. I have to kind of work things around their nap time. And it was just the, the ability to say, you know what, I, I can come to you. I can help you where you are. Or, yeah, you know, why don't you still come to our office? We have an appointment open at 7 p.m. tonight. Why don't you make it? Or, or just being able to know that, hey, a few weeks ago, this person had this pain, and I was able to help them. And a few weeks later, now they're being discharged, and they're fully functioning. Um, that, that brings me joy. That's the best part of my practice. That's the best part about being an entrepreneur. I can make my own schedule. I, can, I feel like I'm actually making a difference, and I'm not um, – I'm not so stiff in rules and policies, if that makes sense. Yeah, doing it your own way. Yeah, I'm able to do it my own way. Yeah, operating in your purpose. That's such a beautiful thing. I'm so, I'm so happy just listening to you because I know <laughs> the journey that it took for you to get to where you are. That's such a beautiful thing, Esther. You are, <laughs> look, you're making Dr. Simpson proud, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and Dr. Ravinda Green. Yeah. everybody else. <laughs> Dr. Burnett, let's not forget her. Yes, girl, my people, my people, as she would say. <laughs> yes, yes. Repetition and saturation, I still yes. remember it. Oh, yes. I still live by that to this day, for real, for real. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the little golden nuggets. Yes. What's one thing you wish you knew before starting your own business that you now know? Hmm. One thing I wish I knew, billing. This is it. That's that's a big deal. <laughs> um, billing and insurance and claims. Literally all the administrative things that you're not taught. If I can be like 100% honest, mm-hmm. I mean, I could come up with a philosophical answer, but if I wanted to be totally transparent, that would be it. Billing, insurance, and claims. Because um, we're not really taught that. I mean, we get a, we, what, do we get a, do we even get a lecture on it? I'm no, sure we got something right. on it. No, but um, who remembers that stuff, you know? We're so focused on ACL. 
I don't think they went into deep with that. And I mean, honestly, I feel like you didn't even really tap into oh, yeah. it on rotations, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, we don't. We don't. Yeah. Well, so what? learning all of that on the job yeah. was, was, was a hassle. Yeah. And I'm still learning. It's a year in. I think we're I think I'm doing phenomenal with being able to talk myself. Um, but things are good. Things are good. But you know what with insurances, Esther, things are always ever so changing. So you're always gonna be learning and something's always gonna change, you know, because that's just the way it is with insurance. Always. Always, yeah. So well, what's the biggest factor that has helped you become successful? Yeah, and that's the benefit of working for a practice. You don't really pay attention to that. Yeah. Well, what's, Esther, what's the biggest factor that has helped you be successful? I think just being myself, being true to myself and being true to what I, what I like and being true to my thoughts have been really the biggest thing like I, I read my google reviews every now and then and i'm just like wow they i mean obviously i'm knowledgeable i, I have the education every i mean to practice at this level you have to know what you're doing right mm -hmm. but that's not what makes you a great clinician it's mm -hmm. really you it's really you being passionate about what you're doing is you connecting with the patients you laughing and giggling and giving hugs and giving validation and not just lying to your patients you know it's not that you're telling them you're doing a great job when they're really doing horrifically horrible but like meeting them halfway and saying them like okay well this is where you are this is where you need to be what can i do to help you get here why don't we do it this way what are the obstacles let's break it down this way and just making sure things make sense i think my the biggest thing my patients tell me is that i'm i am a great educator because it's one thing to have the tools in your toolbox there's another thing to know how to use the tools in your toolbox mm -hmm. and i connect the dots I show them how to use these tools and then that way they're much more successful. And if they're successful, I'm successful and I'm happy and they're happy. Wow. Yeah. And we all know that knowledge is power, no matter what sector you're talking about, when you have the knowledge that's powerful. And so for you to be able to empower your patients, you know, I can imagine that they're walking away feeling, you know, more fulfilled and understanding yeah. their body better. Right. And they, and then they get better faster because now they know why they're doing what they're doing. Imagine you're not, I'm putting air quotes up when I say you're non-compliant patient. Mm -hmm. Why are they non-compliant? There's no such thing as a non-compliant patient. If they get in their car and they drive to you for this discomfort, that, that takes away the, the excuse of them being non-compliant. Unless they're being forced into seeing you, they're not non-compliant. They want to get better. So you have to explain to them, this is what you need to do. And this is why you have to do it. It's like your, 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 your standard patient that doesn't want to take the hypertension medi medication. Mm -hmm. They don't know the importance of it. But when you sit down and you break it down to them, like, hey, this is what you need to take. And this is why you need to take it. And this is what would happen if you don't take it. You know, that pain that you complain about or that pressure that you complain about, that can be gone if you do this, this, and that. And it will get worse if you don't do this, that, and that. No one's going to say, oh, now I'm still going to disobey. They're going to they're gonna at least try, right. you know? And then being able to, and then being, as a clinician, being able to say, okay, I want you to do it seven times. You did it three times. Well, that's good because last week you did it zero times. So congratulations for doing it three times. Right. Let's see if we can do it four times next time. 
and just meeting them halfway, acknowledging their steps, because it may be easy for me to do, but hell, I've been doing this for the last almost 10 years. But I, I mean, this, this, is, this is what I do. This is not normal for them. So if they're at least attempting, encourage their attempt supposed to knocking them down. Um, and, and that makes a difference. And I think that's why my patients get better. And I think that's why I'm able to get the results I'm able to get. And I think that's why I'm successful. Yeah. Because they're able to, I connect with the human aspect of them, not the painful aspect of them. Yeah. Looking at them from a whole view. Yeah. The whole person. And I'm a big advocate for that. And, you know, I tell my patients that all the time, you know, you know, your body better than anybody else. One. And two, if there's something, someone is explaining to you something, you don't understand it. Don't hesitate to be like, uh, can you re-explain that? I don't understand. Don't just go along with what the doctor says. Tell them, I don't understand what you're saying. Right. Right. And I, you know what, I go one step further. After I do our treatments, I ask them, what did you get out of this treatment? Mm -hmm. What did you understand from this treatment? Can you give me a recap of what I said? Mm, okay, now. <laughs> what I test for say, if you can't explain it, then you don't know. <laughs> right. You say that? It's true. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Or I, ver or I repeat what, what they're saying so that way they know that I'm listening to them. So they say X, Y, and Z. And I'll say, oh, okay, so X, when X, Y, and Z happens, it makes you do this, this, and that. And they're like, yeah, exactly. No one else have ever understood it. I'm like, no, I totally understand what you're saying. Let's see what we can do to fix it. I, so I propose this, this, and this. And if we do this, it's going to help you get to that result. Is this something you can do? Is this doable? How often do you think you'd be able to do it? Okay, well, let's work from that you know, and I, and I create things to hold them accountable. Most of my patients are cash-based. Um, so if they're paying cash, they usually want to do what they want to do well, and they want to do well fast. Right. Um, so it takes away the, this patient's non-compliant. I've never agreed with non-compliancy. There's no such thing unless they're in jail and they have to do it. But I mean, obviously we don't work in correction, correctional facilities. So yeah. we just really need to make sure they understand. And I pride myself in, in educating. Right. And you're giving them a sense of autonomy too. And I like how you say you pretty much involve them instead of telling them, I want you to do these home exercises twice a week. You're asking them, how often do you think you can do it? So it kind of gives them the power. So they're not feeling like she's just telling me what to do. And then it seems like a chore or homework and who wants to do homework? I mean, mm. right. yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. So Esther, did you have any difficulty shifting from being the employee to the boss lady? I did. You did? I did. I did. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm young, right? We're all still very young. Mm -hmm. um, so being a younger Nigerian female uh, and you're hiring people, there's a there's a little bit of a dynamic change, right? Because most of the people I'm hiring are older than me, so it's it's kind of like a, a complex a little bit. I've experienced yeah. that. Mm -hmm. um, I think I think most I've actually talked to a lot of um, younger business owners, and they're saying, yeah, that that does kind of come with the territory, but you just have to establish um, your 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 um, your grounds, essentially your thoughts and what you what you want your office to represent. So I did experience that when I first started. I no longer experienced that. Um, what else did I experience? Um, um, I think that was the biggest thing. Oh, yeah, accounting for your time. 
accounting mm. for your time. You know, mm. when you're in a, when you work for a facility, you have X amount of patients and then you have X amount of time after work to like do your notes mm. or, or you're getting paid on the clock to do your notes or mm. something along those lines. Um, productivity. And, <laughs> yeah. Productivity. And with your private practice, you can pretty much change the times or, or, um, you just need more discipline, essentially. You need more discipline. Before I used to do my notes, my documentation by the pool, I've learned that that doesn't really get you the best results. (laughs) (laughs) Three hours later, you're like, hey, I'm still on the same chart. Oh, my Lord. I can see you at the, girl, okay. (laughs) I can see you doing that, too. (laughs) Your best life. Yeah. Right. Well, I guess I just needed a little bit. I needed a little bit more discipline. Now I'm I'm much better. Now, um, I think we were talking about this earlier. I physically work in the office three days a week. And the other days, um, I do home health, but it's only one or two home health visits every now and then. Mm-hmm. So um, I have more time to do notes. So I started tell I'm starting to tell myself you actually work five days a week. So that way I can have my two extra days and my brain is set on you're still working, my dear. You're still going to document. You still have to do billing. You still have to respond to phone calls and emails and, and things along those lines, opposed to kind of just leaving it for um, my office to handle on Monday. Right. Okay. So just being a little bit more on top of managing you, your office and your staff. I think that's really what it is. I'm managing so much more. When I, when I worked in a, in a facility, I just had to manage myself, right? And then right. even with that, I had a manager. So I yeah. kind of had someone to kind of pull the ropes back a little bit and say, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we think. Um, and you have people to ask their opinions and their insight. When you're by yourself, people are, people are looking to you for what are we doing next, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a different um, mentality. And that's definitely something that I'm, as I'm going on my entrepreneur journey just you know trying to get used to because that can I don't know I find it a bit challenging of a shift to go from the employee mindset to the entrepreneur mindset you know yeah Yeah. so Esther what are you what are you changing what in regard to like the way that I'm thinking about things yeah um everything that's the correct answer (laughs) it's everything it's because like you said you know we've been out of school for 10 years now almost and everything like you said you don't have that overhead so it's you know like time management and for me I'm still uh working while I'm still building my business so you know like you said like the time management and you have to do everything yourself so if you want this business to be successful like that's all you you don't have anyone saying this is direction we're going no you choose the direction that you're going so it's just like everything it's just shifting everything (laughs) yeah so it is where do you envision the pelvic place in the next five years okay so you know they say if it doesn't scare you it's not a god dream so I literally want to create a franchise or multiple practices in t- all over the entire United States. Oh, nice. So, so essentially, I've had one office now. I'm looking at my second office, which I'm just going to merge because it's going to be that much bigger. I'm going to train some staff. And the goal is that I'll once they are independent enough, 
I will start another office somewhere else and then I'll do the same thing. It'll start off small. I'll grow it. I'll move into a bigger office. I'll grow that. And then I move into a different office. Um, I've been in practice one year so far. My practice is phenomenal. Like it's grown leaps and bounds. I have like maybe a four to five, maybe even a six week wait list. Um, and it just shows that so many people need these resources and I'm going around, I'm advertising them. I'm, I'm advertising and I'm advocating and Mm. people are like, yes, you know, I've had this for, I had a patient the other day that said, Hey, I've had urinary incontinence and pressure in my vagina for 20 years. And I looked and she has a prolapse. I'm like, no one's ever seen this. She's like, no. I'm like, okay, let's work on fixing this. We can pull this back up with electrical stimulation, the urinary incontinence to start doing some pelvic floor exercises. She's been given medication after medication after medication, but no one, no one wants to take medication for the rest of their life for, for, for bladder health, you know? Right. Um, right. So, and they just think this is it. This is all my, these are the only options I have. And I'm like, no, there are more options. This is what we need to do. And word of mouth spreads. So then they go back and they tell their friends that I'm still networking and talking to doctors, midwives, doulas, literally any and everything that's in this pelvic floor world. Mm-hmm. And I'm just saying, hey, this is a resource that, A, it's covered by most insurance. And if it's not covered, they have out-of-network benefits, which means they can still get reimbursed for a portion of their visit, most if not all of their visit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's growing. So I know there are people that need to be reached. So I want to expand so much so that I can help literally every pelvis, every pelvis. Okay, every pelvis. What is crazy to me, I'm stuck on the fact that you said this lady done had a uterine prolapse for 20 years and nobody's never diagnosed that. What is going on? Well, the thing is, I'm sure they've seen it, but outside of pelvic physical therapy, which is what a lot of people don't even know exists, Mm -hmm. outside of this, the only option is, is surgery, you know? Mm-hmm. So if the woman doesn't, if the woman does not want surgery, then the doctor is not going to bring it up anymore. I'm sure they told her before. I mean, it starts off small and it just progressively gets larger. What happens oftentimes is people wait till it gets so large that they have no other choice but to get surgery. But there's a middle ground. There's there's a space in the middle. You don't have to not have a prolapse, and you don't have to wait till you have a large prolapse. Where, where you literally feel a balloon coming out of your vagina. And that's really what it is. You feel this bulge and it's coming out of your vagina. It's not painful. So some people are like, oh, it's just pressure. My doctor said if it's not painful and I don't want surgery, just leave it. And they just do. Mm. I still have to educate my patients about a pessary, which is a device that goes inside the vagina and helps to hold up the organ like a bra, so to speak but a pelvic bra it goes inside the vagina and holds up that bulge but in the meantime they still need to do pelvic floor exercises to strengthen those muscles so they no longer feel the bulge and so they no longer have urinary incontinence and in general just pelvic floor exercises help to improve your your pelvic floor function it helps to support your bladder support your bowel Make sure you're able to have pain-free sex make sure you're able to lubricate better make sure you're able to sense sense sex better and for men, it helps to increase their erection and increase the length of their erection and increase the duration of their erection and, uh, and, and so much more. There's so many benefits to pelvic floor exercises, but we're so stuck on doing our bicep curls or our crunches or, or quad sets that we forget that, hey, 50% of your body weight is resting on your pelvic floor muscles. Mm. 
That's so true. And I like, thank you for, you know, mentioning the guys too, because a lot of times when you hear like uh, pelvic floor exercises or, you know, the traditional one is Kegels, all you think about is women. So it's good to know that there's exercises out there for men too that can assist them. So all y'all men listening, get y'all Dr. Mago. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And men need to do Kegels also. Men need to do Kegels also because it does strengthen the pelvic floor muscles. And here's another disclaimer since we're talking about Kegels. Every person does not need to do Kegels. If your pelvic floor muscles are tight or if you have vaginal pain or if you have difficulty emptying your bladder, you may need to do reverse Kegels. So I don't even go around advertising Kegels because I don't know what you need until I've done a pelvic floor exam, until I've looked at your vagina or your rectum or your penis for men. Unless I've put my finger inside your pelvic cavity and it's just one finger, one tiny gloved finger with lots of lubricant. Until I put it in there, I can't tell you what, what exercise you need to do. I'll be giving you misinformed information. It's kind of like as physical therapists, I can't treat your knee until I've seen your knee or touched your knee, right? right? So with pelvic floor, if someone's telling you, oh, I can give you pelvic floor exercises online, that's, that's false. I can, I can probably tell you what exercises you need, to do, you need to do based on what information you're giving me. And it, it, it should be accurate. But to be 100% accurate, I need to do a public floor exam. Every person needs to do a public floor exam. Yeah, you need that physical examination. Yeah. You need it. And and then for that, most insurances cover it. So it's almost a why not. Right. Okay, well, that's good to know. Well, Esther, is there any advice you'd like to offer to any new entrepreneurs out there? Follow your heart, follow your heart and do what you love. Cause when you, when you do what you love, that's good. That's going to push you to do it more. If it's something that you don't like, if it's something that you're not passionate about, it's going to show your patients going to be able to tell your clients are going to be able to tell your customers or whatever field you're in, they're going to be able to tell you're not going to be halfway successful. If, as if you would be, if you were doing something that you truly love, just follow your heart. You can, you can truly advocate and advertise your services if it's something you 100% believe in. And I believe in women's health. I believe in pelvic floor rehab. I believe in, in, in men's health. I believe in just the health in general of the pelvic region. No one talks about this area, and it makes up so much of our day. You know yeah. what I mean? Think about it. We pee every two to three hours. You're, you're working with your pelvic floor every two to three hours. Mm-hmm. We poop at least once a day. Like, yeah. what if these muscles didn't work? Think about that. We, we take it so for granted. It's kind of like your legs. We take mm-hmm. our legs working for granted. But what if it didn't work and everyone said, oh, it's normal? Right. We, we would feel like prisoners in our own body. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. Thank you for the work that you're doing. And please know I can hear the passion in your voice when you talk about it. You done taught me a few new things today. I'm so excited, feeling educated. <laughs> <laughs> girl we are empowered that's this is truly why why i do what i do i love it and i think it it's it just really what separates me from the other practitioners mm-hmm. um i'm knowledgeable and i'm passionate about it and the two of them mixed together you cannot go wrong so pick something that you're knowledgeable on and pick something that you're passionate about 
Yeah. You've definitely made this your niche. And I'm so proud of you, Esther. I am so proud of you. Well, look, I want you to tell the people where they can find you either on social media or online where the, you know, where they can get connected with you. Maybe if they're in your area, they have some questions, need a consult, let them know. Okay. So my name is Dr. Esther Amago. My office is called the Pelvic Place Physical Therapy. We are located in Houston, Texas, in the center of Houston, Texas, in the museum district. Um, we are on social media, Facebook and Instagram. Our Facebook handle is the Pelvic Place PT. Our Instagram handle is the Pelvic Place PT. I will, I will admit that I am much more active on Instagram, but if you send me a message on either platforms, I should be able to get it. Um, our website is thepelvicplacephysicaltherapy.com. And our phone number, if you ever wanted to call or get a quick consult, our phone number is 713-344-0838. And if you're not around the Houston area and you needed a consult, we do offer telemedicine consults. We also offer um, video consults as well, where I can pretty much see what you're doing and how you're doing it and give you um, insight on it. We won't assess your public floor via video or phone call. It would have to be an in-person conversation or in-person treatment, I should say. But we can pretty much see what's going on and I can advise you on what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing based on the knowledge that I have. And um, give us a call, give us a call. Call us, you can even text us, you can email us. We're pretty accessible and we want to help you. We want to help you, your friends, your loved ones and everyone in between. Yes, y'all. So go, go. Check her out on social media. Reach out to her if you need it. Thank y'all for tuning in today. Keep this conversation going. Don't forget to share. Uh, tell your mama, your daddy, your brother, your sister, your cousin, your friend, and your frenemies. I am your girl, <laughs> Jay. And we will see y'all next time. Bye.